Hello again, my name is Marianne Williams and I'm a specialist gastroenterology dietitian. Welcome to our second in our clinical cases podcast series. This particular podcast covers an area very close to my heart. As a dietitian specialising in food allergy, I often see patients who have been advised to remove or have chosen to remove large groups of foods from their diet in an effort to improve their symptoms. Often their symptoms are very debilitating, so one can totally understand that they're trying to solve their problems. Often they do this with little or no guidance, and more importantly, no guidance on when to reintroduce foods if the diet either hasn't worked or how to manage a similar elimination if it has led to an improvement. They've had no help at all, basically. We now realise through research that particularly in people who are already allergic or atopic, so for instance, they have a history of eczema, asthma, hay fever, etc., that this dietary manipulation can actually bring risks to their health and can, in fact, in rare cases, make the allergies much more dangerous. This case today is fascinating, even more so because it's the personal experience of a dietitian who is now one of the top allergy dietitians in the UK with over 20 years experience in the field. She herself has suffered the results of unguided over-restriction in her diet and her experience is perhaps a lesson to us all working in allergy or those considering unguided restriction of their diet. We're sadly only too aware that there are insufficient numbers of allergy specialist dietitians in the UK to help guide patients and we desperately need more to study allergy at specialist centres like Southampton Medical School and Imperial in London which both have fantastic allergy MSc qualifications but in the meantime it still seems vital to make people aware of the risks of unguided food restriction. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and please do give us feedback to our email, which is now contact.webinars at nhs.net. That's contact.webinars at nhs.net. What I would love to go through with your particular case history is how you developed anaphylaxis on both am i correct in saying it's both dairy and eggs yes and i'd like you to go right back to the beginning go back to childhood what was your allergy background as an infant and a child let's let's start right back at the beginning as far as i can remember there wasn't any problems as a young infant but probably from the age of about six or seven i just had eczema in the creases and was always allergic to horses because they made my eyes itch. So just eczema, just in the creases it. of your arms? Arms, legs, mm. and thighs, bit on the corner of your mouth, mm. corner of my mouth, but not bad eczema, just normal eczema and mm. treated with betnovate mm-hmm. and managed, which was pretty much under control. And that kind of stayed the same around secondary school. Mm. And then um, when I went to uni, there was suddenly a massive change in my eczema. It became much, much worse. Had your diet changed when you went to uni? Actually changed a lot, yeah. So How suddenly, did it change? Suddenly I was having a, lots more dairy products, loads more yogurts every day. I might eat two or three yogurts every day. Um, I wasn't drinking cow's milk, but I was certainly eating a lot more cheese. 
Had you not butter. done that growing up? Had you not eaten lots of dairy growing up? Not really, no. Yeah. Not much. Nothing mm. significant. Mm. I never liked milk as a drink. I hated it. Okay. I never, ever drunk that. That's interesting. Then you went to uni and the diet, your diet changed. Completely changed. Mm. So I'd, I still didn't drink milk, but I'd have hot chocolates and I'd have a lot of cheesy chips and yogurts, cheesy sauces, white sauce, that sort of thing, custard. Mm. So something huge. And what happened to your eczema? The eczema started getting much worse and actually got so bad to the point that I went to the GP who referred me to a specialist at St Thomas's Hospital. And I had specialist um, care under what was at St John's mm. Dermatology Centre, which was in central London which is now based in St Thomas's Hospital. But you were you were saying to me, you were covered head to foot in eczema at this point, yes. having only ever had it in the creases and things. Suddenly yes. you're covered from top to bottom, what your face, your neck, right down to yes. your feet. Yeah, all over. And I was thinking, oh, um, I must be allergic to something else. So every time I sprayed perfume, it got itchy. If I used certain washing powders. So suddenly I seemed to be allergic to absolutely everything. Polish on the furniture, makeup shampoo all animals actually in hindsight I probably wasn't it was just the eczema was there and that irritated the eczema mm, mm. so it got to the unbearable point and I was feeling like I had no self-esteem because I felt ugly with eczema on my face my neck I could hardly move my neck and it would just crack if I moved my neck and I thought I need to do something about this because the creams they give me you know they work for a certain time and then I just didn't seem to be getting to the bottom of what was actually causing it. And do I gather that you were at one point in St Thomas's Hospital for three months with wet wrapping for your eczema? It was that severe? So I'd go for different periods. So sometimes it'd be three weeks, sometimes six weeks, sometimes up to three months. In hospital? Um, in hospital, yeah. Wow. So the eczema ward. was very, very So it was severe. really severe. Um, and, it, you know, the treatments would make it better but then it would always come back so I thought right there must be a reason for this I'm going to uh, think about the different options different options mm. um, for helping see if I could get to the bottom of what was happening with my skin so then I decided to uh, go on an exclusion diet and I actually ate six foods for six weeks <laughs> so, you, so you put yourself on this exclusion diet so you said I right did. I'm going to try and find the solution to make some see if it's anything to do with diet yes. so you took everything out of your diet apart from six foods apart from six foods which I can't really remember what they are I think yeah. it was something like chicken rice a few mm. vegetables and apples and how, yeah. how old were you at this point um 21 mm. around mm. about 21 and of course quite quickly my eczema just completely cleared up which was mm. fantastic so I thought oh right I'm going to um, introduce foods one by one and try and work out what it could be the only foods that actually triggered the eczema back were the dairy and eggs so I thought right I'll keep those out of my diet really very strict really strictly and then the eczema was clear and that was fine so I knew all my eczema was triggered by food and I could then spray perfume I could then touch different soaps without things happening so I realized then that my eczema was being irritated by all of those things I wasn't actually allergic to those things apart from horses um, which I am allergic to. And as long as you stayed off the dairy and eggs, your ex was was fine. Completely under and control. That must have transformed your life in the sense well, of did. your self-esteem and yeah, 
and feeling and not you know the fact that you couldn't even turn your neck without your skin cracking before that was how bad the eczema was and all that was mm. gone is that right completely gone my wow. neck was soft and smooth and clear mm. which it remains to be now mm. so for a couple of years I was on this dairy-free egg-free diet no eczema brilliant and then um I remember being in Spain actually and everyone was having some ice cream and I said oh I'll have a scoop of sorbet and I had a scoop of sorbet and I think that they must have used the scoop that had a bit of ice cream on it and I remember standing outside this cafe with this sorbet and then developing really large hives all over my neck mm. whether I'd touch something whether I don't know or whether it's from actually eating this sorbet that had a bit of ice cream or maybe I'd touch the ice cream I don't know it was all over my neck and on all around my um, chin and my mouth and I remember taking antihistamine thinking mm. oh that's a bit odd mm. oh I'm, I'm I must it must have been cross-contamination and so that was that and then about four months later I was back in the UK and I went to a restaurant about half a mile from Stoke Mandeville Hospital mm. luckily and I ordered curry told them mm. I couldn't have anything to do with milk or egg and they bought me the curry and I ate it and halfway through the curry my whole nose started blocking off and I was really sneezing and became really congested and my eyes were itchy and I suddenly went into a panic I went to the toilet I thought I'd blow my nose and I just thought oh I just don't feel right I'm going to I feel faint what's going on what's going on and I ran back to the table and the person I was with I said I said we need to get to the hospital I need to go to the hospital I was getting really really itchy as well mm. like the worst itch times by a million mm. you can think of all over my head my ears my body coming out in a big rash I just thought I'm going to pass out and then the ambulance did come and I did have my first anaphylactic reaction and that's what happened but luckily wow. we were half a mile from Stoke Mandeville Hospital in an Indian restaurant. When I got better I went back to the restaurant and said what was in that curry? Condensed milk. Mm. So that was my first exposure after this really strict diet I'd been on uh, after a year and a half two years to quite mm. a large amount mm. of milk protein mm. and so and then from then on have you been anaphylactic to dairy has it so I've had about 10 or more anaphylactic reactions one I um, was driving from a GP surgery to the hospital I had a clinic in the morning in the GP surgery in the afternoon in the hospital up in Northampton I was really hungry and I stopped at a corner shop and bought some salami it didn't have milk in salami always had milk in and this one didn't I read the ingredients I was chuffed a bit so I had the whole pack as I was driving to my clinic in the hospital and st started having anaphylaxis really quickly in the car oh my word and in those days it wasn't an EpiPen it was a mini jet where you had to take two parts of a syringe fit it together and then give yourself mm the adrenaline and I remember thinking I can't do that I need to go to the hospital so I drove luckily knew where it was because I was going there anyway and drove straight to the emergency and kind of collapsed as I got there and was taken to um, resus and had a really severe probably the worst reaction I've ever had mm. and that's I mean that is such a scary thing to go through now you're going to have to carry EpiPens you have to be unbelievably careful about any dairy yeah. you come into contact with now and we're talking very microscopic amounts now that will set you off so I've had I had a reaction I ate 
a dairy-free Easter egg. This was probably 15 years ago now, and I had about the size of a 50 pence coin. It said dairy-free on it. I ate this and I started developing symptoms that I knew were going to be anaphylaxis. So I used my mm. EpiPen. It wasn't mm. an EpiPen then, a mini jet. Mm. And um, when I looked into it, I had the sample of the Easter egg analysed by trading standards mm. and they said there was 10 parts per million in, mm. of milk in that Easter mm. egg. 10 parts and per I million? one piece the size of a 50 pence. And that was enough to set you off. What interests me about your particular case study is that you didn't grow up with anaphylaxis. You didn't have it as a child. You only developed it once you took out the foods really strictly. And correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the research now is pointing to the fact that actually, um, you know, you can lose what little tolerance you had. So you may already have the allergy there, but it's not showing itself yet. It's what we would call a sensitization. So you're sensitized to that food. So if they skin prick tested you, you would have probably come back, I imagine, positive. Oh, they dairy. did. I did yeah. have skin prick tests and it was positive. And it yeah. was positive. Yeah. But the course, skin prick testing, positive skin prick testing doesn't mean you've got an allergy. It just means you're sensitized. So the interesting thing is that you then took those foods out very strictly and you can understand why for your eczema. But what that did is it, it I presume, would you agree that you lost any level of tolerance you'd had to that sensitization? So you were able to tolerate it, you take it completely out and suddenly you're in an environment where you've lost any tolerance and suddenly your immune system now develops a much more severe allergic reaction to that food. What we don't know is if you'd removed most dairy out of your diet, would your eczema have cleared up enough if you just kept little bits in? and then you would never have developed anaphylaxis. We won't know that. What's your thinking on that? So it's really interesting. So if quite often people have a misunderstanding of a, a diet that's free of milk or egg or fish or whatever, and so they make minor mistakes, and that's almost been their saving grace for not mm. developing severe allergy. We don't know enough about it, and certainly when this happened to me 25 years ago, um, I suggested at the time, oh, I think it's because I've taken this out of my diet. And that was completely poo-pooed and, you know, mm. that was crazy thinking. Mm. Now we know that's the case. We know mm. that is actually what happens. It's actually our responsibility to explain that to patients as dietitians and also to our colleagues who are perhaps not specialist in allergy, but are recommending exclusion diets. It's our responsibility to say, keep get this balance between keeping a small amount in the diet and if you develop a bit of eczema manage the eczema treat the eczema so that you can keep a small amount of the food in the diet but don't have so much of it that it triggers too much of unmanageable eczema and we know lots about ladders and we can help use that to inform the foods that may or may not trigger eczema um, or other symptoms. So mm, it's, I, it's a really useful, manageable, practical tool. a really, really good point, because I think what a lot of people don't realise is that the proteins that are what we're reacting to when we have allergic reactions, those proteins are quite sensitive to being heated up, aren't they? So if you uh, heat up a protein a lot, so let's say somebody had egg allergy and they eat egg in cake, because that egg has been really heavily cooked during the cooking process of that cake, 
they may be less likely to react to that. Now, I'm not saying anybody with egg allergy should immediately go out and eat uh, egg and cake because that, you know, would be a really mm. bad thing to do because they might have anaphylaxis if they're anaphylactic to it. But if you're going to start developing tolerance to something, you're probably going to develop tolerance to the very heavily cooked version of that food first, where the proteins have been basically broken up by the heat treatment. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. And we know that all the papers are telling us around 80% of patients with egg allergy, immediate egg allergy, which is positive on allergy testing, do tolerate baked egg. So 80% of those people could be eating egg in that form which would help them not develop. Prevent them going on to develop anaphylaxis. Exactly that, that. Mm. And, and tolerate mm. it, yeah. Mm. So we're, the way we work now in food allergy is see what you can get away with with a food without developing unmanageable symptoms. If you get some symptoms that are manageable, manage those symptoms. And as you said, quite rightly, mm. keeping safe and not saying, oh, anyone can just try it, just try these mm. foods. It's not about that. It's mm. about doing it in a proper structured way with a device and and to, to keep safe so that with the, the guidance of a dietitian preferably mm. with the guidance with yeah. an allergy specialist dietitian i think that's really important because allergy is a very complex area isn't it and and you need to be speaking to somebody that knows mm. what they're talking about um and Absolutely. i think you need that support don't you yeah um would you change anything now looking back yeah because i think you know having a some mild eczema that you can manage actually is fine. And if, if it meant that I wasn't anaphylactic because I'd kept shortbread in my diet or something with a small amount of baked milk, then absolutely. Because I think managing eczema is, the, the creams and the treatments are excellent. Um, and, and it's all about really knowing what the treatment pathways are. And if you can get away with a small amount of food and you're not then tipped over the edge to have develop anaphylaxis then I think it's very beneficial and it's not just your skin it's not just having to carry an EpiPen or an adrenaline auto injector it's about the massive limitations it has on your lifestyle the anxiety it causes and the limitations with socializing with joining in do you want really to prevent them ever getting to the stage of having anaphylaxis Absolutely. and we know that for some people we will never be able to change that pathway you know they become anaphylactic it wouldn't have mattered what we'd done they that that would have happened but if you can avoid it and i think this is very relevant for kids as well isn't it you know parents unnecessarily taking out uh, very strictly taking out large food groups so dairy etc out of a child's diet to try and help them perhaps under the guidance of somebody that isn't necessarily qualified in that area and then ending up with a child who's got anaphylaxis and you say with all the complications that that comes with so I think so really so important to get good advice and I think if there's one thing that I would take from what you've said it would be keep if you can keep a little bit of that food in your diet and manage the symptoms. If you literally can't, if you can't even have a microcosm without having massive symptoms, that's different. But if you're able to manage the symptoms and keep a little bit in, that's what you should do. Is that what you would agree Absolutely. with? Absolutely. And actually we, we do this in, in the clinics I, I have. We, we can do that. And sometimes people only can tolerate, say, one crumb of a malted milk biscuit. And one crumb can be enough to be almost like desensitization to help that person become tolerant of the food mm. or as a prevention of them becoming more intolerant, more allergic and developing symptoms to that food. Mm. So it's actually really important the way that this is managed 
you know, what form of food we're avoiding and how we can put it back in or keep small amounts in. We call that active allergy management. We're actually actively managing the risk of allergy to reduce it or to, to treat it, if you like. So it's, this is the way that allergy is going at the moment. Well, thank you very much, Tanya. It's been so interesting. And I think we've, you know, I've just, I've learned a lot. And I think it's really important that we hear about cases like yours, um, just so that other people can learn from that. And I think that's absolutely vital. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Tanya. What a great insight into allergy and We realise that it's difficult for some people to find access to a specialist allergy dietitian, but please ask your GP for referral to your local dietetics department. And if they can't supply a specialist allergy dietitian, then ask them who they would recommend in the vicinity of where you live in the UK. Or go on the freelance dietitian's website and perhaps book an appointment with a private dietitian if you can afford to do so. There are also um, charities such as Allergy UK who uh, could be extremely helpful if you need advice as well. Um, But thank you again for Tanya and uh, I look forward to doing my next allergy podcast in the near future. Thank you and goodbye.